0: Wow, I lost track at like 15 trades. Uh, It has been an absolutely maddening, madhouse, mad mad crazy trade deadline. Uh, Welcome to the show. It is the NBC Sports trade deadline special. It is official. The trade deadline has passed in the NBA. And Markel Fultz. That saga in Philadelphia is over. That's the big headliner today. Um, Of course, Tobias Harris was traded to the Philadelphia 76ers as well, uh, but... Anthony Davis has not been moved. Uh, It has been an absolutely crazy past 24 hours. We're here to recap everything and bring you the latest news and analysis, including the buyouts that will happen in the future. But for me, uh, this is number one story. Markel Fultz, 20 months after being drafted number one overall by the Philadelphia 76ers, after they traded a future first-round pick to move up in the draft to get Fultz, he is traded to the Orlando Magic. For a future first-round pick, a 2020 top 20 protected pick in uh, 2020, a future second-round pick, and Jonathan Simmons, a role player coming off the bench for the Orlando Magic, a 29-year-old averaging 6.9 points per game. That is the return less than two years later on the number one pick in the NBA draft. It is shocking development. Uh, Markel Fultz goes from uh, one of the best prospects we've seen in the NBA into what is essentially uh, a low risk, uh, low uh, high reward move for the Orlando Magic to try to figure out what is going on with Markel Fultz's shoulder uh, and whether they can rehab him back with the 76ers. This is what the trade deadline was all about. The 76ers have loaded up. They've gotten role players and Tobias Harris, a 26-year-old star... Uh, he's not an all-star in the Western Conference, but in the Eastern Conference, that is a star player, an unrestricted free agent, a guy who's averaging 20 points per game for the Clippers this season, and they exchanged him for a bunch of picks and their first-round pick, Landry Schammett, uh going the other way. So this is a blockbuster trade for the 76ers. Again, Anthony Davis not traded, uh, not to the Lakers. Sorry, LeBron. And now, uh, you know, Nikola Mirotic uh, traded from the Pelicans. They did make a move, but moving him to the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, an amazing move there for uh, the GM there in Milwaukee to get a, a an amazing shooter. But he's got a little bit of a bum ankle and calf. We'll see how much he's going to be able to give them going forward. Those are the three biggest moves today. Let's go right to Philadelphia now. Let's bring in NBC Sports' Philadelphia insider, uh, Paul Hudrick there in Philly right now. Uh, let's go right to him to talk about this amazing uh, deadline. First, Tobias Harris is moved at the 3 a.m. Uh, everyone was shocked to see that move to, to bolster that starting lineup. But then, Markel Fultz, we finally learned what the trade value was for a guy dealing with a mystery uh, uh, injury, uh, uh, mental health—who knows what the deal was? Whether it was upstairs or whether it was with uh, with his shoulder—they started him to begin the season. They move him out of the lineup, and now we finally get some finality to that situation. Paul, what was your reaction to finding out that the Markel Fultz, um, you know, tenure with the with the Philadelphia 76ers is finally over?
1: I think what you alluded to is the finality of it. I think that was the big—that's the big takeaway, especially when you see the return. Basically, they got, you know, a, a useful NBA basketball player and then draft picks. And not necessarily great draft picks, good, you know, okay draft picks. So I think that's what it was. They just were ready to move on. You make the Tobias Harris deal, it's clear you're all in. And you can't have this guy, you know, lingering around and all the questions and all, all the drama and everything that, that, it, that entails that. And, you know, it just seems like this was just, they were just trying to look for the best offer. I think that's why it was done at the last minute as well because, you know, they're, they're trying to see what the best thing they could get for him. I mean, clearly, this is the best they could do.
0: Are fans there in Philadelphia going to be looking at this glass half full? Like, hey, I'm glad we got something back for Markel Foltz, who seemed like he wasn't in their plans going forward. Uh, Jonathan Simmons, by the way, I would have picked uh, uh, Terrence Ross, uh, an amazing athlete, sure. high flyer, uh, 3 and D guy. But uh, obviously they opted uh, for, for Jonathan Simmons, who's a great athlete, um, and people remember him from the San Antonio Spurs a couple years ago, but I, I, I think I would have preferred Terrence Ross. They do not get him in this deal. They opt for the draft picks as well to kind of refurbish what they had uh, given up in the in the Clippers deal for Tobias Harris. Do you think people are going to be happy, um, not just for Markel Fultz that he gets a fresh start, but happy with the return?
1: I think fans of Philly, it's, it is a really big divide. Like There is no... They, you either basically are all in on Markov Fultz or you're all out on Markov Fultz, at least from what I've seen and everything that I've written in the reds. So I think you're going to have a fraction of the fan base that is a little disappointed with the return, thinking they could have got more who still sees him as that number one pick with potential. Then I think there's this other part, the fan base that is more realistic and said they had to get what they could for him because when you look at everything as far as What he's done so far in his NBA career, the injuries, like you alluded to, too, with the mental stuff. Like we don't, we don't really know what's going on with him, and they just—it was a deal that they had to move on. And you, you know, you mentioned Terrence Ross. That was a guy when, as soon as I saw Magic, my first thought was, okay, Terrence Ross. That makes perfect sense. A guy who could be, you know, definitely a very good three-point shooter. I think he's at thirty-seven percent this year, right around there. his career as well. So I thought he would have been a perfect asset to that bench. Very good athlete. Decent defender. I thought that would have been the move. But Simmons, I I don't know if that's... If if for whatever reason Orlando didn't want to part with Ross, or I'm not really sure why it's Simmons. But again, this is just... To me, it's a fan base that's going to be divided but I think, ultimately, this was the right move for the Sixers.
0: Again, that's a 2020 first-round pick, 20, top 20 protected, meaning if it falls in the top 20, it moves on to the next season. So it's not going to be a lottery pick that they got from Markel Fultz. But, you know, I think the, the Fultz thing, as an NBA uh, national insider, uh, I haven't seen anything quite like this, you know. A a few years ago, Anthony Bennett was drafted number one by the Cleveland Cavaliers. But that was a a shallow draft. That wasn't a really deep draft. And people at the time were surprised that Anthony Bennett was drafted number one uh, in general. But Markel Fultz, they traded a future first-round pick to get him to a rival in Boston Celtics uh, and pass over Jason Tatum, who is now potentially going to be able to get you a, a talent like Anthony Davis but I think you're right the finality of this situation they can put it behind them Uh, I think it was not a distraction all season long but I think just hanging over them this dark cloud uh uh, not just for Markel Fultz himself but I think for the organization they can move on and they get not just a player um but they get some draft picks going forward Tobias Harris uh (laughs) <laughs> no one, I think, can impact the the playoff race for the Eastern Conference more than this guy. Uh, it seems like a footnote after what happened when Markel foots there at the last second. But... I think this is an excellent move, not just for a 26-year-old who can play this season, but going forward, if things don't go well with Jimmy Butler and he decides, you know what, I like the situation in Philadelphia, but not enough to sign long-term, Tobias Harris is a good backup situation, an insurance policy, in case Jimmy Butler decides to go elsewhere. Uh, What do you think is going to be the most likely scenario with Tobias, given that he's an unrestricted free agent and the Philadelphia 76ers do have his bird rights that they can pay him more than anybody else?
1: Well, I think you nailed it as far as I kind of look at it as an insurance policy in case, you know, there is reports that they want to sign everybody. You know, they want to bring Butler back. They want to bring Harris back. But if you can't re-sign Jimmy Butler, he doesn't want to come back. Tobias Harris is a heck of an insurance policy. And then on top of that, you know, you can use that money to bring back J.J. Redick, which wasn't, uh, that's not a definite thing if they could, if they bring back Butler and Harris. Or you can get Redick and possibly another elite shooter. So you're surrounding Simmons and Embiid with three elite shooters on the outside. And that seems to me to be an ideal lineup. Um, for now, obviously, the, the goal is just with these five guys to just try to make it work and make a push to win the Eastern Conference. You know, you, again, you had a guy like you know, Ennis earlier, you're adding, adding to Jonathan Simmons now... Now you just have, you know, so much more, again, NBA-ready basketball players, which they didn't have after the Harris trade or really after the Butler trade. They were really lacking depth. So at least now with a couple more guys, you have more options to bring off the bench.
0: Now in your eyes, is this the best team in the Eastern Conference?
1: It's hard for me to say that right now. I mean, you look at what the Bucks did. You look at what Toronto did. Um, I, I love the Bucks move getting Miritich. I mean, that's, a, that's a phenomenal move. They need you always need guys who can shoot and who can score around Giannis. And now you're putting a guy like Miritich in there in that mix. That's a heck of a deal for them. I'm not ready to say that I think the Sixers <laughs> are the favorites in the East, but Hater! I think that they. Ah, nah, I, <laughs> I just don't. I, you know what? I haven't even seen them play a basketball game yet together. I think Tobias is going to be such a perfect fit because you know, when you look at it, I think it was, he was the best usage rate of any player that's averaging over 20 points a game. So when you look at a guy like that who can just kind of slide in and just fit into what the Sixers are doing, I see no reason why he shouldn't be perfect, but I do still want to see how all the pieces fit. I want to see what happens in the buyout market. What the Sixers do, and then I think you know, maybe we see a game or two. Then maybe we'll uh, we'll, we'll be ready to put the Sixers a little higher.
0: Here are my top four in the Eastern Conference. As if the playoffs started today, I'm not talking about the standings at the end of the season. I'm talking about the four best teams in the Eastern Conference. For me, it starts with the Philadelphia 76ers. Again, Tobias Harris is one of the best shooters in the NBA over the last two seasons. Only two players have had more threes and shot a higher percentage than his 40, 400, or 42% from downtown. Those names are Steph Curry and Buddy Heald, which everyone knows are the two best shooters, two of the best shooters. People might not realize how good of a fit he is. And then you get perfect. Boban Marjanovic there to back up Joel and beat another huge body. And then, you know, I got the, the Milwaukee Bucks, adding Nico Mir- Mirotic, a perfect fit in, Mar- in Coach Budenholzer's offense. The issue for me there is is his injury he's been battling a bad ankle all season long for new orleans and he's had a calf strain and then rounding out the top four i got the toronto raptors i'm not so sure the fit there uh considering you know uh serge abaca and you have um uh, uh, uh siakam coming off the bench i don't know which one you're going to bring off the bench to play marcus and who's going to be their closing lineup uh and i still worry about uh, kyle lowry who's shooting 35 percent since coming back from his bad back so rounding out the top four Boston. They're holding on to Jason Tatum. Everything's in a holding pattern there. Uh, the Philadelphia 76ers have made a big splash. I'm guessing fans there are really excited about what they've done.
1: Uh, absolutely. The, I mean, I'm sure tomorrow is going to be nuts in that arena. Uh, they're also retiring Moses Malone's number on top of it. So I'm sure it's going to be bonkers down at the Wells Fargo Center. Um, and it's funny because you look at Valent, To your point with uh, you know the Raptors and the trade, Valanciunas has actually given Joel Embiid a lot of problems when they face them. So that's a guy... I mean, I, I kind of get... The idea of Marcus Sol pulling Embiid away from the basket in that sense. But yeah, Val Tunis has done a really nice job against Embiid. So that's one less bullet they have against him.
0: We want to thank uh, Paul for joining us here on the NBC Sports Trade Deadline special. Wow, Markel Foltz, 20 months after being drafted number one overall by Philly, he has moved on to the Orlando Magic. Thanks for joining us. Uh, We're going to pivot now. To the team that uh, is number one, not just in, in the NBA, but in the Western Conference as well, uh, Golden State Warriors. We're going to bring in Monty Poole uh, there in the Bay Area NBC Sports, Bay Area NBA Insider. Monty Poole, uh, this is a quiet deadline for the, for the Golden State Warriors. Did anyone make moves today that you think should threaten or make them sweat there in Golden State?
2: I don't think it's much different in the West. I still think that for the Warriors, their biggest threats to to a three-peat are in the East, whether it's Philadelphia, Boston, Milwaukee, or Toronto. Those teams have been really good against the Warriors. Boston's been good against the Warriors for about three or four years now uh toronto's been really good this year swept the warriors milwaukee was really good blew them out in oakland and then the sixers just came here a couple weeks ago and and beat them pretty badly so uh but out in the west you know where you look at a houston or a portland or i I don't see a team that says okay these guys are now built to take on the warriors i think they're okay in the west
0: yeah isn't that fascinating monty that right now as we sit here today maybe the four top teams in the Eastern Conference are better than anyone in terms of taking down the Warriors uh, in the Western Conference. Did you see that coming this season? That you thought that there would be such a clear separation, separation between the Warriors and the rest of the Western Conference and that the Eastern Conference has loaded up?
2: Yeah, I thought the East would be good because I saw it coming last year a little bit. Uh, But I I also thought Boston would be number one back there. And I thought the others, Toronto would be number two. And then maybe you look at Philadelphia and Milwaukee, I thought would be maybe the fourth team. But Coach Budenholzer has gone in there and really turned things around. I mean, they're playing great offensive basketball. They're still playing really good defensive basketball. And Giannis is just taking the league by storm, as he has done for the last couple of years now. So he's hit another level now. Um, but in talking to people around the league, uh, yeah, I think that's the consensus that Sixers, Celtics, Bucks, and the Raptors, Raptors are yeah. the four teams that you look at and say, well, these these teams uh, pose matchup problems for the Warriors. I mean, the Sixers size, their sheer size is an issue for the Warriors. Cousins will help. But still, when you when you got Ben Simmons out there. How do you defend him? I mean, you don't. You want him to shoot the deep ball, but he's too smart for that. This guy's shooting 58% because he's taking the shots he knows he can make. And you look at a team like Toronto, really deep team. Mark Gasol will make them even that much sturdier in the paint. So, um, I'm. This is going to be interesting. I think the the fourth, the second and third rounds, second round and the third round in the East. Wow. (laughs) If those four teams are the ones which they should be, my goodness, you're talking about some great basketball possibilities.
0: You know what, Monty? The more that I think about it, the team that is going to be the toughest task, uh, the, the toughest foe for the Warriors this season, this postseason, the Warriors themselves. Kevin Durant last night and the press conference <laughs> talked about. You know, he finally ended his nine-day silent treatment to the media. He finally talked. He was very frustrated about how every question seemed to be speculating about his future in New York uh, after they make the Chris Tapps porzingis trade and open up a slot for, for not just him, possibly, but for adding Kevin uh, uh, K, uh, uh, Kyrie Irving or Anthony Davis. So he was very frustrated, and last night you were there. Uh, what was the sense last night, and then, do you think— Things have calmed down since last night. And will you think this is going to create a wedge in the locker room and affect anything out on the court?
2: You know, that's the the, the locker room issue is one that I've been checking with guys in over the course of this season, you know, to get a a feel of the temperature. I haven't detected that other than the Draymond Green, Kevin Durant uh, squabbled in November in LA. I mean, a lot of that was around this very topic about Kevin's future. And Draymond basically challenged him and said, You're out here anyway, so what's the deal? Um, And those two guys have now decided, Hey, we're just professionals. And what I'm sensing from this team is that yeah, we are pros. We know what we have to do. We'll just play it by the ear and play it by ear and see what happens. We expect Kevin Durant to be our guy for this year and whatever he decides to do after that is up to him. But I don't sense that it's a threat to the locker room because these guys are led by Steph Curry, a big pro, Andre Iguodala, another guy who's been a pro in this league. Uh, So that issue, I don't think is the issue. Now, the question will be, Uh, whether Kevin is going to be okay. I I thought prior to last night, uh, there were signs that maybe he just wasn't enjoying the season. And I think when Kevin's having fun, he's a better player. And this season has become a job for him. And the question now, I guess, is now that he's unburdened himself, can he go back to being Kevin Durant, the guy who was enjoying playing basketball, enjoying his teammates? He's been a good player, but that extra little pop in his step, that little... That little pep you normally would see has not been there for much of the season. Last night, he was terrific. I mean, he was awesome. So we'll see where it goes from there.
0: Not to cut you off there, but let's just ask a question. Do you think he's going to be back next year?
2: Ah, um, (laughs) Here's what I'll say. He's a very, he's a curious guy. Um, Very intellectually curious. Wants to know about different things. He wants to discover things. Wants to analyze things. He's restless. And that's why I think there's a possibility he will leave. Now, he also has said that he, he wants the most money he can get. Well, that naturally would mean the Warriors, because nobody can pay him what the Warriors can pay him. They can pay him $221 million over five years. The best he can get from elsewhere is, I think, 164 over four. So when you look at what Kevin says about that, you're thinking, okay, he's coming back to the Warriors. But as he has said, I'm keeping my options open. Last night, obviously, he denied the New York thing. There's no connection there to him. He got nothing to do with that. Well, maybe, maybe not, but we'll find out in July. Um, but, yeah, I, I, do, I wouldn't be surprised if he were to leave simply because I know he's searching for something that maybe uh, he hasn't been able to get even here just to see what's out there. He is that kind of a curious, restless kind of guy.
0: You know, I think the biggest winner, maybe the the biggest winner of the deadline, might be the Warriors. The fact of the matter is, none of their rivals in the Western Conference really did anything at the deadline. I mean, we can talk about Houston and all their luxury tax saving deals, but you look at Denver, OKC, Portland, like they didn't make any game changing moves. They didn't add any superstars, and if anything, you know, the Los Angeles Lakers and the Clippers just seem to take a step back this this uh, trade deadline. So. I think the Warriors had a big victory here. I have OKC as the biggest threat out west to take down the Warriors. I don't think it's going to happen, but I think they just have Paul George, uh, Stephen Adams, and Russell Westbrook. It's a star power. They can bottle up Stephen Curry a little bit better than I think most teams can. Uh, What do you think is the biggest threat in the Western Conference? Because I think OKC has separated themselves. Uh, And then I have Denver and, uh, and Utah, who I think is really rounding into form.
2: Yeah, I wouldn't argue against that. Oklahoma City is the team. I know even last year, the Warriors, as the season went on last year, uh, that's a team they looked at and said, okay that, okay, that would be an issue for us. They weren't worried about about Houston, which got better. But Oklahoma City's defense has been a real deal. And I thought last year, once Robertson went down, then the Warriors kind of thought, okay, if we play OKC, it shouldn't be much of an issue. Because Robertson's defense is that important to that team. And obviously, he's still not back, but they're playing great defense. Uh, But I think for the Warriors, when they look at their roster, I think for them, they look at DeMarcus Cousins as their big addition. Um, He wasn't here for the first 40 or so games. He is now here. He's eight games into his Warriors career. He looks like he's going to be fine. So if you're the Warriors, that's the way you got to look at it and say, you know what, we didn't make a deal, but we got a player. We got an all-star caliber player coming to our team because he was already here, just hadn't been playing. Uh, From here on out, though, uh, I expect to see DeMarcus Cousins get better and better and better. And if he is the guy, he won't be close to the guy he, he was for many years before the Achilles tear, But I expect him to be very productive. He has been so far. All signs have been good. And you know what else? He's been a happy dude around here. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that he's with a winning team.
0: That's Monty Poole there in the Bay Area reporting on the Golden State Warriors who did not do much in the the trade deadline. But actually that inactivity by everyone around them was a big win for them. Thanks so much for joining us. We're going to pivot now to that other team. In the, in the Eastern Conference. You know what's funny about the trade deadline is I feel like the powers in the Western Conference didn't do much because I think they're waiting for next season. I think they're realizing that their window to win a championship isn't going to be now against the Golden State Warriors with DeMarcus Cousins and Kevin Durant. Maybe DeMarcus Cousins and Kevin Durant leave this summer and then they want to load up ...for the next season. One of those teams loading up potentially for the next season. Maybe adding Anthony Davis is the Boston Celtics for that. Uh, We go straight to Boston. Uh, Sherrod Blakely uh, from the NBC Sports Boston, uh, our Celtics insider... We didn't see any real moves at all from the Boston Celtics today. Uh, I think it might have hurt them in the short term, the fact that you saw Milwaukee, Toronto, and Philly loading up in the, in the Eastern Conference and might have passed them in the standings. But is that okay? Is that Are the Celtics happy with how things went down now that Anthony Davis is staying put and not going to the Lakers?
3: Well, you know, leading up to the trade deadline, that was really the number one goal for the Boston Celtics to hope that it would come and pass. With Anthony Davis still with the New Orleans Pelicans and now that that has come to fruition they're feeling pretty good because remember the roster that they put together not last year or excuse me not this year but the year before that is the same one that they're playing with by and large this year and the reason why they didn't make any moves in this offseason is because they felt this was a championship caliber roster. When you look at the moves that are made by Toronto and Philadelphia, you know, Milwaukee, those are teams that are looking to bolster their chances of winning an NBA championship and being one of the last team standings. The Celtics, to a large degree, have already had that type of roster already intact. It's just that they got off to that horrific 10-10 start. But since then, they've been playing arguably better basketball than anyone in the Eastern Conference. And I think those teams that are still ahead of them in the standings, recognize that as well as you know the one team that's behind him that's kind of in the hunt as well and that is the philadelphia 76ers so what do you think about markel fultz a guy that the boston celtics could have had is
0: now being moved to orlando the philadelphia 76ers are moving on from that Uh, and now I think kind of the spotlight in a weird way is being put on Boston because Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown who knows what their future is going to be are they going to be all in on this playoff run with the Celtics knowing that there's some uncertainty there about their future and the future of Kyrie Irving who's called them out this season not by name but just you know a general vague calling out about you know uh you know trying to get everybody to grow up a little bit uh in that locker room so do you think that this will kind of this cloud being put over the Jason Tatum uncertainty with Anthony Davis on the on the horizon those those talks coming at July 1st when Kyrie Irving could be opt out of being a uh, um, you know could opt out of the player option and then become a free agent, re-sign with the Celtics. I kind of feel like this is going to hover around the Celtics uh, from the outside. That's what might happen. But from the inside, do you worry about that for the Celtics? Is that this is going to kind of be a burden on their shoulders in the same way that Markel Fultz was
3: kind of a burden on the 76ers, and now that burden has been lifted? Well, you know what when. Anthony Davis made his trade request. That was my immediate concern, not so much whether they could get Anthony Davis or not, but knowing that they couldn't make a play for him until July 1st, how was that going to impact those young guys, specifically Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown? Well, you know what? That was January 28th, and since then, the Celtics haven't lost a single game. (laughs) And also, when you look at the numbers that those two young guys have put up in particular, you know Jalen Brown has averaged better than 16 points since the Anthony Davis trade rumors, or excuse me, uh, rumors out there that he would be on the move came out, and Jason Tatum, he's maybe a point off his season average, but he's shooting the ball better percentage-wise from the field. So from a statistical standpoint, it hasn't really impacted either one of those guys in any way, shape, or form. And the bottom line, and they know this as well as as you and I do, it's all about winning games. And since the Anthony Davis trade demand was made, the Celtics have not lost a game.
0: It's a great point, and I'm looking at like you know the last few weeks there in Boston. It's been kind of controversial. You had Kyrie Irving admitting that he's uh, reached out to LeBron James. You had uh, you had Anthony Davis's father, father texting ESPN's Ramona Shelburne saying, "I don't want my son to ever go to Boston. Look what they did to Isaiah Thomas. No loyalty," he says, as Anthony Davis. Uh, you know, makes a trade demand. Speaking of loyalty, um, and then third, you have uh, Danny Ainge going on the radio and talking about LeBron James, saying he's the goat, and equating the PR move by him and selling himself with Donald Trump. Which of those three things? You know, Kyrie talking about LeBron, and then Danny Ainge's comments about LeBron. And by the way, Rich Paul, the rep for LeBron, is also the rep for Anthony Davis. Uh, and then, and then thirdly, the Anthony Davis's father. Uh, says he doesn't want Anthony Davis to be in Boston. Which of those three scenarios, or which one of those three uh, news items is actually going to have the most impact going forward?
3: I think, you know, the, the, um, the talk about Kyrie and just his future, and I think just the instability of that, that to me is what is going to be very interesting. Uh, this season is going to come down to how well the Celtics do in the playoffs. And when you look at Philadelphia, you look at Toronto, you look at Milwaukee, you look at Boston, one of those teams is not going to get to the – actually, two of those teams are not going to get to the conference finals. And that could have a seismic impact on what happens this summer. And, again, I think if the Celtics can get back to the conference finals or NBA finals, I think they'll be in pretty good shape with Kyrie. But if they get bounced in the second round, I mean, all bets are off.
0: You've been around Kyrie Irving now uh, for a a long time. What is the sense of what his priorities are going into uh, the playoffs and going into free agency?
3: Be a killer. I think Kyrie looks at what those young guys did last year while him and Gordon were on the sideline, and he wants some of that. He wants to show that he can take this team to that next level. And when you look at what they were able to accomplish without him, that next level I think is pretty obvious. It's getting to the NBA Finals. And, again, the moves that we've seen made throughout the Eastern Conference, as much as it was about those teams improving their lot, I get a strong sense just talking with different people throughout the league that those meet moves were made to strengthen their ability to contend with the Celtics. Because if you look at this Boston roster up and down, they have the type of talent that should be in contention to win a title. And when you look at the fact that they're finally starting to come together and find their stride, playing like the team we thought they would from the beginning of the season, only they've done it over the last you know, 25, 30 games, I think it was reason for a lot of teams to maybe go in and try to really strengthen their roster now as opposed to sticking with what has worked during the regular season thus far. So I I just think the Celtics are in a really – they're in a good rhythm, good position, and I I think once we get into the postseason, this is as good a chance as they've had to get to the finals really since, since the KG, Paul Pierce, Ray Allen era. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Remember KG when
0: he said he wasn't going to come to, to Boston or he didn't want to come to Boston and he wasn't going to do that whole thing, his agent? Yeah, remember how that turned out? He ended up going to Boston and uh, he's a legend there. So um, we'll see what happens with Anthony Davis, Jason Tatum, Kyrie Irving, all those question marks going forward uh, for all your insight. Thank you so much, Rob Blakely, for taking, uh, taking your time and joining the show. Appreciate that. No all right, now we're going to go over to the Twitter. Uh, we have a question from the hashtag Ask Haber Show hotline. Uh, do, are, there, are there hotlines still in 2019? I don't know. But let's go check out the Twitter and see what the question is. Um, we had <laughs> we, I'm, the podcast that I do is called the Haber Show, and we started it as the Haberstro Show. And there was a strike; all the listeners wanted the Haber Show. It's the Haber Show. We have the question here from James. Hey, Tom, do you think the Sixers realistically have a shot at beating the Warriors in the finals with Tobias? Uh, barring another injury to one of the big five there in Warriors land? I don't think so. Uh, I think we every time we talk about the Warriors, it's always with an if. It's always with a barring injury. And I still don't think Tobias Harris, as good as he is, I still don't think we know enough about the fit with him, Jimmy Butler, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid to know if they're gonna knock off the Warriors, and that's okay. Ben Simmons is 24, Joel Embiid, I mean, 22, ben, uh, B- Joel Embiid's 24. They're going to get another crack at this. And even if Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris don't come back, maybe one of them come back, they're going to still have another swing at the Golden State Warriors and obviously the East. Um, and who knows what happens with the Warriors? DeMarcus Cousins, I don't think, will be back there after this season. They've made no secrets about that. The same thing with Kevin Durant is, I think that's what is so you know annoying for him is that there's a little bit of truth to the New York, uh, you know, the, the rumors about New York. His agent, Rich Kleiman, uh, uh, his only client is Kevin Durant, and he has been very, very vocal on Twitter. Rich tweeted out recently um, that he wanted to run the Knicks one day. So this this idea that there's this vendetta, that the, that the media is grinding an axe with, with Kevin Durant, I mean, a lot of this stuff could have been taken care of by Kevin Durant and his team initially, and just saying, look, I'm not talking about any of this going forward, uh, but that is a very real possibility. People in the league are very... Um, uh, expecting that Kevin Durant will leave uh, this offseason just because, you know, I think he looks at what LeBron did in L.A. and says, you know, I want a piece of that. You know, if he's going to do L.A., I want to go over to to, the, to New York Knicks and try to build my own team. So, uh, no, I don't think this season the 76ers are going to have a, a realistic shot at toppling the Golden State Warriors, but you know what? That's okay. This is not going to end this year. They're going to have a, an opportunity next year with this uh, with this young core. So we'll move on to the next tweet. Let's pull that up here. Again, hashtag show for the next 30 minutes. We'll see if we can fit those questions in. Uh, here, Bilal. Shouts to Bilal. That's my guy. Are we sure Marc Gasol is an upgrade over Jonas Valanciunas? Jonas is per 36 minutes. Uh, numbers look way better than Gasol's. Okay, Bilal, you nerd, you stat. And I hate all these stat nerds. You know, I come from the the old school. I've never looked at a stat in my life. This is uh, an interesting question because I was thinking about this earlier today, Bilal, is... The the numbers that Jonas Valanciunas has are incredible per per 36 minutes he's averaging 20 points I think over 10 rebounds per 36 but the issue is whether he's going to have the veteran defense the mobility uh, to play at a high level in the p- the postseason seems to have, have played him off the court in the past and Marc Gasol is a former Defensive Player of the Year. The question for me, though, is the mobility. How much does he have in his legs? Marcus Saul obviously super smart player, obviously has been playoff tested um, there in Memphis in the grit and grind era. I like his veteran leadership. I think this is a better move considering they're all in on Kawhi Leonard. I think Jonas Valanciunas might be better dividends down the road, but considering the Kawhi Leonard question mark this offseason, whether they need to convince him to stay long-term, I think Marcus Saul helps him. And just as a passer, Marcus Saul is one of the top three passing big men in the NBA. I mean, Nikola Jokic there, Denver's number one in my book. But Marcus Saul, I think you're going to see him play a lot better for Toronto simply because uh, there's not any more controversy. It's all in. Whereas in Memphis, it seemed like one foot in, one foot out whether the Mike Conley was going to get moved, whether they were going to get traded. So I think you're going to see a rejuvenated Marcus Saul in Toronto. But yes, the per 36 minutes numbers do not look appealing if you're just looking at the numbers, but that's why I'm here. I talk to people, I watch the game, not just the numbers. Um, all right, now, we're going to go... Uh, right now, we're going to head out to... My guy from the LA Times, Dan Wojcie is going to join us here. To, from the Los Angeles Times, my man, you look great. You look refreshing. Uh, you got sleep after the last two
4: days. That is not true. I feel terrible. <laughs> I look terrible. Um, it's been uh, hellacious. Welcome back to the NBA, right, Tom? This That's what right. I signed up for.
0: That's right. So you uh, you're there, based in LA. I want you to tell me um what is the 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 experience there over the last few days lebron james did not get uh anthony davis despite the huge campaign from his agent rich paul with anthony davis there in new orleans to try to get um him over to the lakers and then the clippers got rid of tobias harris but i'm guessing more people are talking about lebron james coming up empty-handed at this trade deadline
4: Yeah, obviously, I think it's kind of the story of the deadline, right? I mean, Marcus Gasol is a great player who moved. Tobias Harris was having a near all-star season to move. But, you know, I I thought it was important for me to go follow New Orleans around here this week and kind of try to get a sense of just what it was like to be around this organization as they faced this monumental decision. And, And it was a really complicated thing, I think, for them. I do think that the Lakers and Rich Paul did a pretty good job at creating some chaos and putting you know making an uncomfortable situation and, and making New Orleans have to kind of look at this and say do we really want to wait can we really wait realistically for our organization is this is this the best thing to do um, I think ultimately it comes down to the fact that you know in my conversations with people that they just you know weren't sold on the offer that it's a very divisive offer uh, that's one thing about the Lakers young players you talk to scouts around the league it's that you know, no one's 100% sold on any of those guys. Nonetheless, all three in terms of Ingram Kuzma and Lonzo Ball. And I, and I think that uh, was probably the big holdup here. And it just doesn't, Tom, to me, it just never made a lot of basketball sense to do this now and not do it in July um, or, you know, sometime this summer when, when they can look at more offers and, ha- and have kind of a, a, a bigger sort of spread to choose from.
0: And, and now I think LeBron James, the, the spotlight is back on him. He made the decision to go to L.A. Yeah. despite not having another star to go there with. And he was probably convinced that they were going to be able to either land a free agent star or trade for one at the deadline. He comes up empty-handed on both accounts. Then he gets the groin injury, which knocked him out. He said that they dodged a bullet the night that it happened on Christmas. And then he's out for 17 games, the longest time he's ever been out uh, in his NBA career. He's 35, looking at... Who is my co-star here in Los Angeles? Um, And is that do do you feel the desperation in there in Los Angeles to for LeBron James given how old he is and given the injury this season? It seems like there's a sense of urgency that really we didn't feel like a couple months ago.
4: Yeah, right. He's like mortal all of a sudden, right? A guy, a guy, (laughs) injures his groin one time, and now all of a sudden he is, you know, he's not this this robot, this Terminator. That we've always viewed him as. I think it's a bad sign, Tom, when you ask, like, who's your number two? And then my first instinct is to shout out Lance Stevenson and start air (laughs) guitaring. I think that's probably. You went with Lance, huh? yeah, it's sad that we
0: don't know who the number two is, right? Like, the thing yeah. about Brandon Ingram, he doesn't want to shoot. The thing about Kyle Kuzma, he can't shoot three. He's under 30% from three-point land this yeah. year. Uh, and then you have Lonzo Ball, who's a 40% uh, three-throw shooter.
4: Well, I want to circle back on Ingram a little bit here because he's someone I've written a lot about and, and someone who my opinion on him has changed, I think. Uh, almost, it changes almost every time I watch him play. He's very confusing. Um, I think sometimes I watch him and I see him as someone who – can almost be like offensively kind of do the things for the Lakers, like what Andre Iguodala does for the Warriors, a guy who can score 12 points and have five rebounds, five assists, but you walk off the court and like that guy killed us, right? Like he does have that sort of ability. Um, I still think though his instinct when things are to go bad is to look for his offense first, which I don't think that's sort of what his game is going to be when it, when it rounds out. And then I think he also just kind of suffers from the fact that he's more of an all around player. He's not a specialist. He's not a guy who can go stand in the corner and catch and shoot. Um, he's someone who needs the ball in his hands. And when you play with LeBron James, those are skills that LeBron James has. And he just is worth all that stuff than LeBron is. It's been kind of a confusing fit. I think if they were able to move him, um, that was something I was like very curious to see is like, what really is Brandon Ingram? Um, can he be, uh, I hate to say like an alpha, but can he be a number two? Can he be kind of a guy on a, a really good team that is involved in important possessions?
0: I just worry that... He hasn't really developed that shot at all. Like, we we yeah. came, coming into the year, we were, you know, into the NBA, we are like, hey, he's got a ceiling like Kevin Durant. He could be Kevin Durant. But obviously, no one wants that that label put on you coming into the league, that's unfair. Yeah. But I, I worry that he, you know, Kevin Pelton at ESPN did a great story of the comps. For Brandon Ingram, statistically at this point in his career, is more like Jeff Green, Andrew Wiggins, like these types. Yeah. And, and that is fascinating to me, is these athletic guys who seem to tantalize day in and day out. You don't know who you're going to get uh Brandon Ingram there uh such a fascinating figure for uh for the Lakers going forward now let me ask you this what Mm -hmm. about the bruising from the front office by by the Lakers you know Magic Johnson and Rob Palenka there huge names icons in the industry could not force the trade for Anthony Davis and it seemed like they got a little bit embarrassed here with Dell Demps First, there was the campaign, hey, he's not picking up his phone. And then secondly, he picks up the phone, but he doesn't respond. I'm, I'm imagining, Dad, he's just getting the phone. Dell Demps is picking up the phone, putting it on mute, and just putting it on the table and saying, like, you want me like to answer the phone call? like a butt Yeah, like a butt dial. I am sorry, did, 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 Magic Johnson, <laughs> did you call me? I'm sorry. Um, like, what, what do we do with the front office
4: there in L.A.? Well, this is a really challenging, I think, uh, position to be in. And I made the bet on this by... I I think showing some arrogance when it came to Paul George, when it came to Kawhi Leonard, right? This is where it starts is sort of guys that they felt that they didn't need to sacrifice assets for because guess what? You know, we're the Lakers. People want to come play with us. Um, We've got LeBron now. People want to come play with us. And they found out that that might not always be true. And and so I think um, on this, they they had to in some way show that they were very active, right? They weren't going to let enough opportunity go past them. But what happens is then now, all of a sudden, we, we've seen, I think, virtually every player on the strip we mentioned in trade rumors. We've seen fallout from that. We've seen the Ball be unearthed. And, um, you know, any talk of a gag order, <laughs> obviously, um, has been violated at this point, if there ever was one. I think, you know, it's had all these ramifications. And yeah, I mean, the, the blame is on them. They, they weren't able to get it done. Now, it, this was a, probably an, imp- an impossible mountain to climb sort of with the assets they have. I mean, we saw... You know, we mentioned Tobias Harris before the 76ers give up two first round picks, essentially three first round picks when you add in Landry Schammett. And, and, you know, the Miami pick, which is better than any pick the Lakers could offer for a guy who has two months left on his contract. Right. Like, yeah. So if, if that's the asking price for Tobias Harris, if that's what the market is, I, I mean, what are the Lakers? They would have to give up like everything and it might, everything might not even be enough.
0: Like the Brooklyn Boston deal where they gave up four picks and swaps. Yeah. Like it, it's that times three, right? All right. Well, uh, we got to move on. But before I, you leave, I want to ask you who is more likely to have two stars, two All Stars, two uh, All NBA players next year uh, in uniform? Is it the Clippers or is it the Lakers?
4: I think it's probably the Lakers. And I'm going to take that back just because they already have one. <laughs> um this is sort of my cop out on that but but i, I mean i love what the clippers have done I, th- I think they are really one of the big winners here at the deadline they position themselves to be big players this summer in free agency and then so now they have the assets they're in any conversation now moving forward for whenever the next guy whoever it is and it, it's going to be 80 this summer when guys talk about leaving their markets and wanting to come down LA, the clippers have the picks they've got the they've got some young players they they be in those conversations
0: Dan, thank you so much for joining us from the LA Times. Dan Wojcicki, go follow him on Twitter. Go read all of his stuff in the paper. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us. All right, we're going to move now to a man of the times, a man I used to work with at Bleacher Report. His name is Howard Beck, the national NBA writer for Bleacher Report, a man who used to write for the New York Times and the LA Times. I want to welcome you back to the show, Howard Beck.
5: Tom, what's
0: going on, man? Hard, hard act to follow with Dan Wykey before. <laughs> I know. I know. He's, uh, he says that the LeBron James is going to have another star there in, for the Lakers, more likely than two stars ending up in uh, Clipper land. But I want to ask you that. Let's just kick it off right there. Who's more likely, given what happened at this trade deadline, to load up next season? Is it LeBron James or is it going to be the, the Clippers who just traded Tobias Harris for, for basically cap space and, and uh, some draft picks going forward?
5: That's a phenomenal question. I mean, listen, they could all strike out, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's, there's a very realistic possibility that the Lakers, the Clippers, the Knicks, the Nets, all the big market teams with cap room, they can all strike out this summer. There's no guarantee that any of the guys that we're talking about are actually going to leave their teams or to go uh, to the big markets. So we'll see. Um, in terms of that question directly, I mean, I think the, the Clippers have a very, very good shot at getting at least one, if not two guys. I think it's tougher in some ways for the Lakers because, look, if, if the number one target is Anthony Davis, and it is, um, well, their best advantage just disappeared. The trade deadline went away, and now Boston is in it. And the team, the future team that holds Zion Williamson's draft rights, they're in it now, too, whoever that team may be. Um, so the the competition, the negotiation, the leverage, all of that just changed. And that's to the Lakers detriment. And the Lakers are not going to necessarily have any better assets on July 1st than they have right now. So if they don't get Anthony Davis, well, then who? Kevin Durant's not joining LeBron James. I don't think Kawhi Leonard's joining LeBron James. Jimmy Butler doesn't seem like the kind of guy who wants to join LeBron James because Jimmy wants his own team. So who's joining LeBron James? I mean, I'm not one of these people who thinks that you know, I don't agree with Kevin Durant saying the environment's toxic. I, I thought that was a crazy quote. And I'm not one who thinks that LeBron is so hard to play with that guys want to avoid him. I'm just saying there just aren't that many options. And some of them do want to have more of their own space to work in and their own teams. So I, I don't know who the Lakers are going to get.
0: What was the biggest mistake here in the negotiations? Because I was just talking to Dan about this. I feel like the, 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 the front office there with Magic Johnson as starry as that front office is and the lore of Gene Buss in, in uh, Hollywood and the Lakers franchise and the, the mystique of the Lakers it seems like it's bruised and you'd think LeBron going there would kind of restore that the faith that the, that the Lakers could attract talent and basically say we're the Lakers we're going to get everybody and you're not going to like it but I'm sorry we're going to go get Anthony Davis we're going to go get Marcus All we're going to go get Tobias anyone we want we're going to be able to get but it seems like right now the faith in the Lakers it seems to be bruised right now what was the biggest mistake? in your eyes of what they did over the past week was that just a fair try to get anthony davis or do you think this is a signifier or something larger that people are looking at the lebron situation and be like you know what i don't even want to deal with you. you guys tamper you they've been hit with tampering disciplines by the league three times no other team in the last three years has been hit by a tampering violation in the last three years and the lakers i feel like just everyone's tired of them is that the sense that you get in the league too
5: well, there's no question that the Lakers are more of a target and that people have their antenna up around the league much more when the Lakers are involved than anyone else. And now part of that is the way that Magic conducted himself and, and, and doing things that that basically uh, screamed for a tampering fine in, in terms of the Paul George situation. But, listen, um, the Lakers didn't do anything wrong with regard to Anthony Davis. They knew exactly what they wanted, Rich Paul and... and 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 his group knew exactly what they wanted, and Anthony Davis knew what he wanted. But it's up to the Pelicans to decide who to trade with or not trade with. So I, I don't think that there's any blame to be cast here on the Lakers' front office. Now There are other things that we could pick apart about the administration there, about moves they've made or not made in the last year or so. But I don't think we can blame them for not getting Anthony Davis. That's a simple matter of they didn't have the goods, and the Pelicans didn't like what they had to offer and the Pelicans, I think, wisely decided they should wait until the summer. So that's not on Magic Johnson and Rob Polenka. You can't, you know, you can't make a deal with a team that doesn't want to trade with you. And I don't think that's just the reticence about dealing with the Lakers. And you know, that's definitely in there. That's factored in there. But the bottom line is that the Pelicans, like any other team, giving up a top five player, you have to make the deal that's best for your franchise. And if the Lakers had the best deal. Even if you didn't like dealing with them, even if you didn't, even if you thought they were tampering, even if you hated the way that Rich Paul conducted this whole thing, you'd make the deal with the Lakers if you right. thought they gave you the best package, and they didn't.
0: Yeah, and I think Boston is has got the better package. Jason Tatum, I think, is a better player than anyone on the Lakers, not named LeBron James right now. And he's younger than Kyle Kuzma. He's he's I think he's a sensational talent. And I think eventually Boston will put him in into a deal because Anthony Davis in that future, they're gonna test. Anthony Davis's father came out and said he does not want his player to play his son to play for them because Isaiah Thomas, uh, what they did to him. But let's be clear every GM in the league would do what Danny Ainge did and to trade yeah. for Kyrie Irving. Maybe Make no mistake about it. This had nothing to do with loyalty. By the way, if we want to talk loyalty, Anthony Davis is trying to get out of a contract several months before it's it's uh, it's done. So I, I think it's a little hypocritical for his father to scream, "Hey, loyalty!" when in fact his son is trying to get out of uh, the New Orleans Pelicans franchise after agreeing to sign there uh, through next season. But anyway, the the you have been. In the new york knicks franchise covering the new york knicks for so long you've seen more you know dramatic uh, sensitive superstars in the league i want to get your take on what happened last night kevin durant uh ending his silent treatment saga with the with the golden state warriors media uh and finally erupts and goes on a rant to say who are you to ethan strauss my guy at the athletic and i'm curious what your thought is about that uh, incident, what it means for his future there in Golden State? Because to me, Howard, if he's worried about the media, the pressure in Golden State and the media core there in Golden State, a New York media core would just fillet Kevin Durant.
5: <laughs> yeah, listen, I've heard this this uh, narrative a few times in the last 24 hours, and I don't want to contradict myself, um, but I'm of two minds with this. The first is that the New York media is, is way overrated. Like, I've been part of the New York media. <laughs> I'm still in New York and a media member, but I'm no longer New York media because I'm now, you know, a national writer or whatever. But yeah, that's right. I was part of that. Those all those Nick scrums for nine years. Uh, the New York media. I mean, listen, are there a lot of us? Yes. Uh, is it a, an aggressive market? Yes. But guess what? Philadelphia is really aggressive. Um, Los Angeles can be very aggressive. And the Bay Area, very underrated for how intense that media group is there because There's a lot of them. It is also, by the way, a massive population center and media center in in this country. And they're very aggressive. If they weren't aggressive, Durant wouldn't be lashing out at Ethan Strauss, who's a phenomenal reporter. But, you know, uh, he's not going to be any better or worse off in New York if that's what comes to pass. But I do think that if in that market where, listen, the Warriors are worshipped. As they should be. They've won three titles in four years. So they get all the latitude in the world, all the good feelings in the world. And he's not being criticized. No one's criticizing him. They're just covering the obvious dynamic, which is that he's a free agent and has made no commitments to stay. And there's a lot of smoke around the possibility of him joining the Knicks. Like they're just covering the news. It's not even a matter of like he's being sensitive to criticism. It's not even a matter of, oh, it's the media that's coming after him. No, they're just trying to analyze and answer the obvious questions about his future, which is what the job of the media is. And so if, he, if that is bothering him, while he's in, in the basking in the glow of the Warriors' aura in the Bay Area, it will be worse if he's coming to the Knicks as the savior, the putative savior, following in the footsteps of like 50 other saviors that have <laughs> come and gone in the last 20 years. That's the part where it will, where it will be ramped up. And while I don't think the New York media is any tougher or more critical than Bay Area or anywhere else, I do think that the expectations, especially where it regards the Knicks and somebody needing to save them from themselves, that's where it's going to be more intense and, and why I do think it's right to question whether this is the right market for him.
0: Howard, I have tweeted this out earlier earlier. Um, which deal do the Twitter folk like better? I sound what like 80 years old saying Twitter folk. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> which deal do you like best? I put a poll. 76ers add Tobias Harris, Bucks add Nico Miritich, or Raptors adding Marcus Uh Once I hear your answer, I'll give the results. But what do you think is the best deal of those three at the top of the East? The Bucks adding Nico, Raptors adding Mark, or the Sixers adding Tobias? Um,
5: that's a really interesting question. I think, well, I haven't spent much time analyzing this i think i like the bucks adding Nico miratich the most out of those three i think gasol at this age is not going to make a, a massive impact on Trump. like he's a great addition and i think it's a, a fantastic deal but i don't know if it's if a huge difference maker in terms of what the raptors overall uh persona will be the sixers i'm worried that they're, they've won score too many now like that Starting five looks fantastic on paper, but Tobias needs his shots, and Jimmy needs his shots, as he will tell you, and Joel needs his shot. I'm like a little worried about chemistry, but Miritich is like a seamless fit and is is a, a, a perfect as a as a uh, uh, stretch four on a team that's all about spacing and three point shooting around Giannis. I think is is a great addition.
0: That's Howard Beck, the Bleacher Report, unbelievably good, talented writer. Uh, national writer from BR. Uh, Thanks so much for joining us. What up, Beck? See you later, Beck. Uh, Love you, man. Um... Thank you, Tom. So let's get to the results here. Uh, the people have spoken. 76ers adding Tobias Harris. They like it best. Do I secretly have a legion of 76ers fans out there? I didn't know this, but I thought it'd be a little bit closer with Niko Miritich. Uh, 50% of y'all think it's 76ers adding Tobias after 9,000 votes. 29% say Nico Miritich. And 21% think Marcus All adding the Raptors is the best deal. Now that's interesting. I mean, I think... I think, yes, I would agree. The 76ers adding Tobias Harris is the best deal there uh, at the top of the East, but I'm, I'm pretty surprised that, that Marcus Gasol isn't higher. I guess people know that his age and Miritich, I, I guess people know that his leg is, is bothering him all season long. Uh, but the Bucks are, are legit. All right, now to bring in uh, our Washington Wizards insider, uh, th- he is my guy Chris Miller We talked to him earlier today At the noon show uh, Lots of stuff has happened In the league since then And I want to get your take If the Wizards If This is a huge if This is a Drew Gooden sized if uh, If the <laughs> if the Wizards do make the playoffs And slide into the uh, eighth seed uh, Which number one seed Do you think would scare them the most I mean I'm sure they're just going to be Happy to get there uh, First of all But of what you've seen today The Raptors The Bucks. <laughs> The Sixers or the Celtics? Which one would scare the Wizards the most?
6: Well, considering that they played Milwaukee last night and the Bucks <laughs> scored 50 points in the first 12 minutes of play, I would say, like, Milwaukee right now just because it's, like, fresh on their mind. But adding Mark Gasol to the Toronto Raptors, a defensive-minded team, and adding a better five-spot position uh, than Valanchunas, Toronto would be a tough out also. But I think right now, just because, Tom, we had to endure that Bucks game last night, I would say probably Milwaukee.
0: What is the sense that you get uh, about the Wizards? They feel good about their trade deadline. Were they shooting for bigger things? Um, You know, obviously dealing with the news from John Wall that he tore his Achilles, that he'd be not out for six to eight months, but he'd actually be out to closer to 11 months to 15 months maybe for the entire season next year. And who knows if he'll get back. I mean, I, I have talked to medical professionals who are worried that he'll ever get back onto the floor, given his injury history and the fact that he, you know, this is something that's been bothering him for a really long time he's had knee issues and the style of play that he has uh going up and down he doesn't have necessarily a reliable jump shot that you would like to see from a point guard it is a very serious injury obviously that is bad news for the wizards but how do you think they came out in the trade deadline uh trading away auto porter for jabari parker uh, bobby portis uh and, and trying to open up some money going forward
6: Well, I just talked to president of basketball operations, Ernie Grunfeld, for about 15 minutes. And the one thing I took away from that is they opened up the books a little bit in terms of their financial flexibility, right? And they were able to get some players in Bobby Portis and Jabari Parker that will help right away. As soon as they pass that physical, I'm told they're expected to be here today. And if everything goes right, obviously, with Otto's physical with Chicago, they'll be available really to play tomorrow and get on the ground running uh i i like what they did uh in, in terms of the Otto porter part of it listen i said it last night on our, po- our post game show i just feel like the contract was an albatross for him he just really couldn't live up to it because the fans were wanting more uh clearly the young man wanted to put his best foot forward but moving on for him i think was the best thing for and for Otto. but what the wizards are getting in terms of bobby portis part of it they need that they need a guy that's 611 by 250 that can hit threes and he can also bang down low and get you know easy buckets i just like his physicality washington needs it again from a rebounding standpoint and the jabari parker part of it you know if you need a bucket jabari can give you that i'll just be curious to see from the defensive end what he'll be able to give washington since that has been a struggle all year long time with this team
0: After your conversation with Grumfeld, did you get the sense that this guy's job's on the line going forward, or did you get the sense that, you know, Ted Leonsis, after making multiple, uh, you know, media appearances and saying, look, playoffs are bust, no excuses this season, did Ernie Grumfeld seem like he was essentially uh, playing for his job, or do you think he's he's feeling okay about uh, his future there in Washington? Because it does seem like, you know, something's got to give here with the Wizards. Uh, With the future of John Wall's contract kicking in, uh, Bradley Beal going forward, and then Otto Porter getting moved, does, does he seem like, you know, this is my team and we're going forward and we feel really good about the playoffs going forward?
6: I've covered Ernie Grunfeld for the last 11 years. He keeps a lot of his emotions and everything about him, keeps him close to the vest. I would He would never show that card. I, I will say this, the owner made it very clear before the year. He made it clear, as we talked about before in London and on a recent radio interview, that there are no excuses. Ernie even said that to me in the interview. He's like, listen, there are no excuses. He understands what's in front of him. This is a team that has underachieved all year long, and now they got this devastating news that their franchise guy, John Wall, will probably not be available next year. He's at least going to miss 12 months. So making this deal, it opened up the books. We talked about that, not having that repeater tax. And you also got some young players that you can take a flyer on. You know, Bobby Portis is still on his rookie deal. He's a restricted free agent. And there's a team option for $20 million on Jabari Parker. And these are young players that you can take a look at for the next 30 games and go, okay, we want to make them a part of our future. But if we don't, then that opens up the books for us to go and look at someone else on July the
1: 1st.
0: So Chris, you know Bradley Beal uh, probably better than anybody covering this league. Um, You've had more conversations with Brad Beal than just about anybody. Uh, I I talked to a GM uh, yesterday. I asked if if the Wizards are making him available and he just responded, I wish. What is the kind of player, just the personality (laughs) of Bradley Beal and whether he can take this on right now? No Otto Porter, no John Wall for at least the next 11 months. What is the kind of guy that Bradley Beal uh, what can we expect to the fans and just the NBA in general what are we going to watch from this guy over the next uh, several months here in the playoff push and whether this label being the number one unquestioned number one guy here in Washington what kind of what kind of performance and what kind of personality can we expect from Brad Beal going forward
6: Tom you're an analytics guy I would just tell you go back and look what his numbers look like when John Wall uh, was shut down Look what he has done since then. I can tell you from my conversations with him that he is embracing this opportunity to be the guy. His leadership skills have improved. His game has gone to another level. He earned his second consecutive uh, opportunity to go to the All-Star Game. And I can tell you that once the All-Star Game is over with, he will be the guy. He will once again try to help this team get to the playoffs and it will only help him in terms of his leadership and his confidence. If he could do just that without the services of John with Otto moving on, if he can get this team into the playoffs, uh, that bodes well for Brad, the brand and for this organization moving forward. Because as I told you before, Tom, it makes absolutely no sense to even put him on the market. He's 25 years old. He has already made his money. Okay. He already signed his big deal and you can control him for the next two years and now with this news of John being out this guy can lead this organization um, to the playoffs again come on Bradley Beal is built for that work he's told me he's embracing it
0: amen Uh, Chris Miller there from Washington thank you so much for joining us I totally agree. This was a good trade deadline for uh, the Washington Wizards considering uh, what the news they just got about John Wall. Thanks so much for joining. We're going to actually go right now to a poll or basically the odds of who is going to win the championship after the trade deadline. Now that we've seen Anthony Davis has not been traded, Mike Conley has not been traded, uh, the Golden State Warriors still have Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, and um, who is the odds-on favorite to win the title? Of course, it's the Warriors. And interesting, the Houston Rockets are the next most likely to win. Oh, no, wait, I can't even. So we got the Rockets are at the second most likely, and then we have... It looks like, you know what, 76ers, that's my pick. Uh, that's the team that I think has the best chance of knocking down the Warriors. Um, Boston Celtics, I, I still think the Kyrie Irving question is going to linger. I still think that the Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, that thing, is it's going to be a cloud. It's going to be a burden on them going forward is knowing, hey, does Danny Ainge have my back? Is that going to be something? Am I going to be moved here in a couple months? I think the 76ers are the team to beat, especially when you consider that Brett Brown's been there for a long time. And same with... Uh, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons they've been in this situation last year going forward we can't really say the same about Mike Budenholzer and Giannis Antetokounmpo in terms of that situation uh Mike's on the job the first year on the job there in Milwaukee and then you have Marcus, all Kawhi Leonard those question marks how they're going to perform in the playoffs nine games played last year by the by Kawhi Leonard and now we're going to expect him to be in there in June not so sure about that the 76ers won the trade deadline in my opinion with the addition of tobias harrison makes the most surprising deal Hell fultz for jonathan simmons and a future first round pick and second round pick down the line what a trade deadline um i still can't believe that the the markel fultz 20 months after being drafted number one is no longer a 76 when that saga is over in philadelphia but they do get to the best player in my opinion that got moved at the trade deadline All right, that will do it. Can't believe it's over. What, like 30 trades, it seems like, went down today uh, and yesterday. An amazing, amazing time to be in the NBA covering the league and being a fan. Thank you to everyone joining us for the NBA trade deadline special number two. Thank you for downloading the My Teams app,
6: and thank you for joining us. Until next time.